Hello, everybody. Welcome to Elements. My name is Ryan. This is my beautiful wife, Rebecca. And uh, whether you're in person or online, we are super glad you're here. We just have a few announcements for you. Yes. So starting off, if you do not have the Element City Church app, I highly recommend you download it. You just go to the app store, type in Element City Church, and it is free. It allows you to follow along with the sermon notes and stay connected with us. Um, also, if you are new here, we want to connect with you. There's a couple ways that we do that. The first one is if you can text hello to 520-340-6868. Also, at the end of the service, there is a 10-minute party with Jack and some of the others of us. And you get the best kettle corn on... Yes, on this side of the Grand Canyon, and I was fortunate enough to have some this week, and it is good. I recommend you stop by and get some. Um, also, if you're online, there is a spot that you can connect. I believe it's at the top of the screen, um, and there also is a host that is there ready to pray with you and answer any questions you may have. And also at the end of this service, we're going to do uh, communion. So if you want to walk back, we have two tables on each side of the room and just grab some communion if you'd like to be a part of that. And with that, if I could have you guys stand and we're going to pray for the church of the week in our service tonight. The church of the week is Christian Faith Fellowship and the pastor there is Dave Dalbert. Uh, if I could just have you bow your heads. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for your presence, Lord. We thank you for just who you are and your goodness, Lord. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would uh, just reign over the service, reign over uh, Jack as he preaches, and uh, allow our hearts to be open to the word that you have for for him and for us, Lord. Uh, Lord, we also want to pray for Christian Faith Fellowship, Lord. We just want to lift them up as a church here in the city as well, doing the same work that you call us all to, Lord, and that's uh, spreading your love to this world that needs it. Um, Lord, we just pray that you would speak through Pastor Dave, Lord, as he brings his sermons each week and as he uh, is just pastoring that church and uh, the people of uh, that area of town, Lord. We just thank you for them. Uh, we thank you for all that you uh, do in love for us, Lord. In your holy name, amen. All right, Elements, let's see those hands, come on. Open the prison door 
You go. 
living hope. God, I'm reminded today that you are alive. You're alive and well. Moving in the hearts of your people. Father, we welcome your presence here in this place. We've gathered together to bless your name, Lord. We wanna bring you the best smile that we can. living hope. Man, this world could use it. Empower us. Mature us. That we would bring the hope and the light that was given us by your son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. You are so worthy of our praise. We stand in worship of who you are what you've done and that which you're yet to do. Father, I pray that you would move within Pastor Jack tonight. May he share your words, your words alone for your church in this time. Lord, we wanna be worshipers, those who worship you in spirit and in truth. And that goes beyond so much more than what a song is there's power in our worship. God, I pray that our church would be a church that fights back the darkness and brings the light through the way that we praise your name, the way that we live, the way that we reflect your love. So be here, Father. Move us towards your son. We love you. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Amen. As Ryan said earlier, we're going to do communion tonight, and so if you need to move about to get those, or on the back tables here, or some in the balcony, we'd love to invite you to do that at the end of the sermon here, so you could prepare for that. Uh, at home, you can get some elements for you, and for you to, to take it home to be a part of that and participate with us. We are thrilled to have you here. We're wrapping up our uh, series called The Rooted Life, and, and really the takeaway for this whole series is, hey, what if, what if there's some rhythms and practices that we see in the life of Jesus that would actually, if we engaged in those, help us live more and more in the way of Jesus. And so that's what we've been looking at. If you've missed anything, you can go back on the app and, uh, and, and watch those, kind of catch up with that. If you're uh, either at home or here, you can open up the app, go down to sermon notes and follow along tonight. But I, I do want to take a moment as we gather to celebrate the guest of honor, which is always Jesus. Uh, we also have a couple of dear friends of his that are back with us. And so Lyle and Anya, welcome home. Uh, we are glad to have you here. And uh, I, I told the church, Anya, I know you would hate me for saying this, um, but it is a big deal what God used you to do uh, in uh, writing a song that's on a worship album in your home country in Ukraine, and we'll get to hear it eventually as we get it translated to English at some point. But uh, I want you to know that we honor you and appreciate the skill set and ability God's given you. So well done. Well done. So. <clears throat> so. 
So with that, uh, tonight is kind of tied into what Gabe was saying there about worship and, and what, it, what would it look like for us to wander and wonder in a rhythm of worship within our lives. And so, again, you can follow along on the app. Uh, I want to start with this. Everybody lives for something. But Jesus would argue that if you live for something different than him, it will fail you. It may even enslave you. Maybe no one captured this better than uh, novelist David Foster Wallace, who was probably at the top echelon of his career when uh, suddenly he took his own life back in 2008. But in a commencement speech, he actually said these words a few years before that. He said, in the day-to-day trenches of adult life, there was actually no such thing as atheism. There was no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice you get is what you worship, or I would add maybe who you worship. Much of what you worship can eat you alive. If you worship money and things, then if that's really the tap of the real meaning in life for you, then you'll never really have enough. If you worship your own body and beauty and sexual allure, when time and age starts showing, you'll die a million deaths. Worship power and you'll feel weak and afraid and you'll need ever more power over others to keep fear at bay. Worship your intellect, being seen as smart and you'll end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out. And he he went on in that commencement speech. What he said is in the day-to-day trenches of adult life, there's actually no such thing as atheism. No such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. Now, you may be here, and on your spiritual journey, you've maybe reached a point where you've said yes to Jesus, and you're trying to walk out what that looks like to walk a life of faith. Maybe for some of you, you're tuning in, or you're sitting here going, ah, I'm kind of on that journey, I'm, I'm, I'm investigating this Jesus guy, I'm trying to get, understand what Christians really see about him, and, and I got to tell you, I'm, I'm really proud of you for owning your spiritual journey and being in that journey. We actually want to be a place for people who are not convinced where they can actually belong. Uh, and maybe over time, you'll find what most of us, maybe who are gathered here or some that are tuning in online, would find that, you know what, Jesus really is the real deal. And he's more than just a prophet, a teacher, a miracle worker, a good humanitarian. There was something about him that actually, when I aim my life in his direction, my attention and my affections, when I put them in placement upon him, things just make more sense. And it's like God has wired you, the creator of all things, who created you and knit you together, has pre-wired you for something. And here's what the scriptures would say that is. You've been pre-wired to worship him as creator. Now, we live in a culture that chases after so many other things to put their ultimate allegiance and affections toward And and most people, I think, after they chase for a while, if you were to sit down and actually have an honest conversation with them, I think maybe even they would tell you, you know what, I still feel like i got to chase more. Or I still feel like I haven't found what I'm looking for. Maybe a famous song is written about that. Nothing else can take the place of worship that God has created for you. It's like he's created this kind of God-shaped hole in your life, that if you try to fill it with so many other things, it just doesn't satisfy or bring the significance that you want. You are made to worship. 
Now, let's say you went out and bought a brand new car. Let's say you had a windfall. You went out and you bought a brand new car. You brought it home. You parked it in your driveway. And then you never drove it again. Now, hear me out. I, I know for some of you, you're like, okay, brand new car, grand home. Of course I'm going to drive it. It's a brand new car. No, no. Let's say you made the decision to buy a brand new car. You came home, parked it in your driveway. You hung the keys up inside, and you never drove the puppy again. Your wife looked at you and said, you know what? That dashboard's pretty awesome. I'm going to make it a greenhouse. And she just puts plants out on the dashboard. The neighborhood kids think it's kind of awesome. It's been parked there for years. And so they just kind of build skate ramps around it. And they use that to jump. The dog loves to sleep at it, you know, sleep out in the car at night. And you admire it. And other people walk by and they kind of plant other things around it. But you never drive it again. Wouldn't that be ridiculous? Yes. Some of you are like, give me a new car. I will not be that person. That would be ridiculous to do that. Why? Because that car was made to what? Drive. You were made to worship. And you were actually handcrafted to worship your creator. Now, you may aim those affections in a different direction. And that's why you feel a nagging sense of longing and and hollowness at times. Because even if you're not a Christian, my hunch is it's something that's just kind of deep within you that says, I'm just missing it. And even if you are a Christian, I I bet sometimes our other attentions and our other affections kind of usurp what we've been made to do. We actually put them on the throne room of our heart, so to speak. And then we feel off kilter because you were made to worship. God created us with a thirst that can only be quenched with a full focus on him. It's what Jesus was getting to as he met this woman outside of the city at this well. And he said, listen, everyone who drinks this water, she came to get there to uh, get water. Everyone who drinks this water is going to be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give will actually become a spring of water welling up within them. It intrigued her so much that her following statement was, Sir, give me this kind of water so I don't have to keep coming back here. Because she was there at noon by herself trying to avoid because she was the gossip of the town. And that's when you go to have your thirst met is when no one else is going to bug you because you've already been searching to have that thirst met deep within your own heart and it hasn't been met yet. And that's why Jesus has the conversation with her. Are you quenching the thirst of your soul with Jesus or with anything else? It's not wrong to have other thirsts. It's not wrong to have other pursuits in life but the ultimate thirst of the soul. Worship is my deepest need. It's my greatest thirst, and it's God's unlimited supply. G. Campbell Morgan was a a pastor in London at the turn of the century. He says this, I worship in the presence of God as I recognize that in him I find everything my life demands. And I find that in myself I'm incomplete everywhere. A sense of my need and God's resource produces the act and the attitude of worship in my heart. Timothy Keller says this, worship is pulling our affections off of our idols that we try to set up, and it's putting them fully back on God. That's what it means to live a life of worship. It's more than just singing. 
It is that. Uh, but it is the way you live your life. Paul talks about this to the letter in Romans. He says, let your life be this living sacrifice, this life of worship. That in how you think and how you act and how you react and how you interact with others, all of it is worship. And we're called to worship God and God alone. And when it's not there, there's a lacking. There's a nagging deep within us. And as we continually have this realignment to aim our hearts, affections, and attentions in the truest affection of God, and at the deepest sense at Him and who He is, we're meant to worship Him with full expression and with totality of who he is, and to find a full experience and understanding the totality of who God is, all of who he is, and all of what he does. In scripture, we kind of emphasize this, that we're to worship the holiness of God and the helpfulness of God. We're called to wander or, or to get lost in the wonder of all of who God is, all of what he does, and all of who he is. And it's both and, not either or. We live in a culture in America, uh, or in the West, you would say, where we are so much driven by our felt needs that that's really where our attention and our focus goes. God, how can you meet my felt needs? And it's awesome that we have a creator who wants to do that, who actually longs to do that, who's actually incredibly good at meeting those needs of your heart and the needs of my heart. The longings of our heart when we have the circumstances of life that are troubling and we need his wisdom, we need his activity, we need his intervention, and we can cry out to God for that. The scripture writers say we're to present our needs to God. It's not like we're bugging him. We're not. But friend, if it's always about just the helpfulness of God, then maybe, just maybe, we're only seeing half of who God is. We're caught up with what he does, and that's great, and he loves to do it. But don't miss that he's not just that. He's bigger than what you can get your mind around. We are to marvel and wonder at his holiness, at his greatness, at his majesty, at his vastness, at his righteousness, at his ability to transcend all circumstances, his incomparable nature that has no equal and no infinite worth can stack up to him. Worship calls us to set our gaze upon him, not to be settled with just, okay, God, I need your reassuring presence with me and, and, and to comfort me, and that is true. We need that, and we want that, and he longs to give that, but it's more than that. We're simply to get caught up in exalting God, for he is worthy, and as a church, we are passionate about trying to help people reach up to God to reach up to love God with all our hearts and soul, strength, all of our mind. That's what we're set as a church. We want to reach, equip, ascend. We want to help reach up in worship. We would love to help people, whether you're online or here, learn what it means to be a worshiper of your creator, a worshiper of Jesus, to truly have your attention and your affections flow more and more in his direction because we're convinced as you do that your life will be blessed. And you will grow more and more into who God has created you and is calling you to be.
We want you to be caught up in worship, to reach up with him. And so, in one sense, it is focusing on the helpfulness of God. The, his attributes that we, that we say are amazing that we look at. That as you look through scriptures, here's what it declares about your God, about our God. That he is our refuge, he is our rock, he is our shepherd, he is our fortress. His faithfulness has no end. His love has no end. He is merciful. He brings peace, his presence reassures, and his promises are true and steady. That is who your God is. And that the helpfulness of that can speak to that. And these attributes provide for me and provide for you, and they help us, and that's wonderful. And it's incredible truths that we're to hold on to. But they are not the only descriptors of God. In the scriptures, we see over and over, we're to focus on the holiness of God, too, that he is creator, and he is judge, and he is king. His trinitarian nature, his glory, his eternal name, his omnipresence, his sovereignty, his power over all things, his unchanging nature, he is set apart, and he is above all others. He is both and. He is holy, and he is helpful. And if you only worship him for his helpfulness, then you are missing out at the beauty of what his holiness demands and calls for and how it can actually reassure you as well. God's holiness matters. His helpfulness matters. We see it all throughout the scriptures. The Psalms have such an incredible uh, ability to pull us in to see who God is in his totality. I would just strongly encourage you, fall in love with the book of Psalms. Why? Two reasons. One, it's in the middle of your Bible. It's easy to find. And two, it's a big book. You won't miss it when you turn there. And you will find that all the emotions of humanity are on the scripture pages there. And God declares all of the reality of who he is. Listen to this. This is the holiness of God in two simple psalms. Psalm 93, 99. 93, the Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty, armed with strength. Indeed, the world is established firm and secure by him. Your throne was established long ago from all of eternity. Mightier than the thunder of the great waters, mightier than the breakers of the sea, the Lord is high and is mighty. Your statutes, Lord, stand firm. Holiness adorns your house for endless days. The Lord reigns, Psalm 99, let the nations tremble. He sits enthroned in the cherubim, like the, let the earth shake. Great is the Lord in Zion. He is exalted all over all nations. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. Now, the helpfulness side of God. Psalm 23, does it get much better than this? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Why? Because he's a good shepherd. And he's your shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He's the one who refreshes my soul. He guides me in the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest of valleys, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Psalm 103, praise the Lord, O my soul, and all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord and don't forget his benefits. He forgives your sins. He heals your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with love and compassion. He satisfies your desires with good things. And your new youth is renewed like the eagles. Your strength is renewed. 
this beautiful idea of help is from the very beginning of the creation story. God creates Adam, right? And then he creates Eve as a helper suitable for him. We read in Genesis 2.18, it's not good for man to be alone. The Hebrew word there for help is ezer. This idea of means help and assistance, it occurs 21 times in the Old Testament. Here we see it with Adam and Eve. But 16 out of the 21 times it appears in the Old Testament, it refers to God as the people of God's help. God to the people of Israel, I am your help, he says. Moses named his son after this. My God is help. The God of my father was my help. He delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. God wasn't simply a companion with Moses. He delivered Moses. Why? Because he is help. Psalm 115, O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is your help and shield. Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Well, my help comes from the creator of the heavens and the earth. That's where my help comes from. God is our help. And throughout the scriptures, we see God as help, and he wants to be your help in that. But to get lost in the wonder of worship is not to stop there or to settle there and say, that's it. God's my great deliverer. God's my great help. No, that just becomes a self-focus. What has God done for me? And when you make it all about you, you miss out on the proximity that you can have. And when we are in a proximity with God, it actually grows our intimacy with God. The closer I get to proximity and wonder and to intimately gazing upon all of what he does, but also all of who he is, that's where my depth of intimacy with God grows and my relationship can go to greater depths. I encourage you maybe this week to read through Revelation chapter 4 and 5. In chapter 4 and 5, we're kind of peeked back of the curtain. We get to see into the throne room of heaven right now. Here's what's happening here. These creatures, these elders, these angels are gathered around the throne room and they are worshiping God for who he is. Also what he has done but really for who he is, his character, and what he is about. They are not enslaved. They are not caught there or obligated to bring praise. They are captivated and must bring praise to him. They have a proximity to the throne room of God, and their response actually begins to gush out of them because of that. They're growing in intimacy and understanding of the holiness of God. Song 1 in, in chapter 4, holy, holy, holy. He's just worthy because of who he is, his brilliance, his majesty. He is something totally different than my buddy down the street or my neighbor across the way or the person you're sitting next to right now. You are worthy. The praise turns toward Jesus and recognition of him. You are the creator. You were slain. You purchased people as a savior via the cross. And you are worthy to receive because of all you've done now. You're worthy because of who you are, and now you're worthy because of all you've done I love what John Tyson says. The angels of God have been locked in the room, the throne room of God for thousands of years and they still haven't made it past the first word, holy. Not out of obligation, 
but out of the grandeur and the greatness of who God is, they're captivated in worship. Yes, by what he has done as well, but simply because of who he is. They're captivated in that. We were made to worship, and you want a steady worship diet of holiness and helpfulness. How many of you are parents? Even at home, you're at parents, maybe. Uh, as parents, we have a responsibility to feed our kids not just cake and candy, right? We have to try to sneak in some broccoli and carrots as well. Why? Because that's what our responsibility and our authority calls for, a healthy diet. Not the diet that you want all the time, but a healthy, balanced diet. What if in worship, the American church, what if in worship, you, me? It's easy sometimes to get caught up worshiping God for his helpfulness. That's the cake and candy. But what if we also get captivated with the worship of, of just who God is, not just what he does for me? It's both and. Matt Redman talks about when he sat down with Chris Tomlin, and Tomlin sang to him the first time how, uh, the great song, How Great Is Our God, an oldie but goodie. And Matt sat there, and he listened to the words, and he was captivated and said, yes, my spirit agrees with this. This is how great our God is. Can I just remind you some of the words? The splendor of our king, clothed in majesty, let the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light. Darkness tries to hide, and it trembles at his voice. Age to age he stands, and time is in his hands. Beginning and the end, Godhead three in one, Father, Spirit, Son, the Lion and the Lamb. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. It's nothing about the helpfulness of God. It's about the grandeur and greatness of God. Charles Spurgeon said this, you say, help me, but why not also say hallelujah as well? You can say, help me, but let your life and your voice say hallelujah also. It's both, and there is great power and beauty in the paradoxes that we see in Scripture. Can I just remind you of some? It's the holiness of God and the helpfulness of God. It's his ultimate glory and it's his love. It's his majesty that sets him apart and it's his mercy that meets you in the moments that you need it. He is lion and the lamb. Come on, get your head around that. Who's a lion and a lamb? Jesus. He's bigger than you think he is. He thunders and he whispers. He's both and. He terrifies and he befriends. He's both. The king who hung on beams of wood that he himself called into being. He's the king whose footstool is the earth's. And yet he knelt down and washed the dirt off his disciples' feet. He's bigger than you think he is. He's bigger than what I can get my mind around. And if we want to be fully devoted followers of Jesus, kind of living out as a disciple would, then we need to be captivated. It's the disciples in the boat. Jesus, we're going to drown. Wake up from your nap. I can't believe you're sleeping through this. We're going to drown. Wake up. Do something. Peace. Be still. Holy crap. Who's this guy that speaks to the waves? And it says they were terrified. Why? They were more afraid at the end 
when Jesus made the storm go away than they were in the middle of the storm. Why? Because they experienced the helpfulness of God and then they got a glimpse of the holiness and the power of God. And they're like, who is this guy that can speak to waves and make a storm go silent? Friends, may you be captivated by the helpfulness of God. May, he, may his activity be more and more evident in your life. But at the same time, may you be enthralled at the majesty and the beauty and the greatness of God. May you be captivated by both. And may it grow your intimacy as a follower of Jesus. Jesus said these things. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Isn't that an amazing statement? We love that statement. Do you know what Jesus also said? Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up the cross and follow me. Whoa, whoa, Jesus, which one is it? I want rest. Yeah, yeah, okay, we're going to rest. And then you're going to pick up your cross, you're going to follow me, you're going to suffer. What? Yeah, it's both. I'm bigger than you think I am. You can love me for this side of me, but I'm going to lead you in a way that you need to be led. And it's both, and you get the benefit of both. These seem like a paradox. Which one is it, Jesus? And he would simply say, yes. Yes. To more fully worship, we are called to worship in the wonder of all who God is, his holiness. And to worship in all of what God does, his helpfulness. Sometimes that's helping ourselves focus on how God ministers to our felt needs and all that he does for us, and that's awesome. We need to lean into that. Sometimes that's helping ourselves focus on what God is calling us toward and all of who he is and what he's challenging us as, he, as we seek to follow him. Growing into the full stature and maturity of Christ matters. And it starts with seeing the totality of all who God is and all of what he does. Jeremy Riddle said this, no one gets better when they simply gaze within. We get transformed as we behold God fully and in his totality. Worship is meant to transform us and transfer us beyond navel gazing and from narcissistic self-focus and into gazing on the greatness and grandeur of God, that he is the creator of all things and he is for us and he is with us and because of all of who he is, we are now strengthened and we are changed and we have resolve. Not just because of what he does. I think that's why worship is such a battle at times. Why? Because the enemy doesn't want you to stand there. He may let it be okay that you focus on the helpfulness of God, because that's nice. It's like God being your divine butler. God, thanks for helping me. And God says, I love to help you. All right, now that I've helped you, take up your cross and follow me. I've got things for you to do and be about. There's some things in your character that I want to change because I want you to be a better reflection of me. And that's going to cost you some things. And so would you follow me? That's the call of Jesus. No, no, I'll help you. I'm with you. I'm for you. I'm never going to leave you. But I'm also calling you. See, it's the paradox. And it's the beauty that's found in the middle of that 
is where you have a real relationship with God, not transactional. God, I'll do this if you do this for me. I think Jesus meets us there sometimes. But it's to get us to a place where we recognize, okay, Jesus, you can have it all. It's all yours. I'm not going to keep this room locked anymore. I'm not going to hold that off to the side. I'm not going to sequester this slice of my life. And you could deal with 98%, but I'm going to keep this 2%. You know, God, Jesus is saying, no, no, no. See, like, worship's like an all-in thing. And I want you to be captivated by the beauty of what I do for you. But I want you to be captivated by the beauty of who I am. And I'm bigger than you think I am. That, I think, is what the scripture writers are continually calling the people of God back to. The helpfulness of God, the holiness of God. So we've been looking at some practices, right? Some habits that we can have. So how do you begin to let your mind wrestle or, or let your life begin to, to be captured by wonder or to wander in worship a little bit more? So here's three simple practices that I think if you just make this more and more a pattern, a pattern and a rhythm of your life, uh, it will matter to you, it will help you. And the first one is just gather. That's why it's important to gather with the saints to worship. We gather to sing, and I love the expression of our church and the vibe of how you all are into it, and it's awesome. Why? Because it spurs you on to focus on who God is. It's surrounding ourselves together to focus on God and not just what swirls around us in the world uh, about us. And encourage you to sing worship outside of Sunday nights. Like, there's these amazing things in your car called radios. There's an amazing thing in your pocket called an iPhone where you can actually listen to worship music outside of Sunday. I don't know if you knew that or not, but like, it's an amazing advancement in technology, and you have access to it. And you can actually make worship a part of your life outside of Sundays. So sing solo, but don't sing just solo. Gather with the saints. Uh, with people. Listen, we're not saintly. We'd be the first to tell you that. But we're followers of Jesus, and some of us are just trying to do the best we can in that. And in the midst of that, God's changing us, and all of us together as we sing and as we gather, whether it's online or here, make it a regular rhythm of your life. I, I talk to people. I see people all the time, and they're here for a while, and then gone for a year, and Life becomes challenging, and God gets their attention to bring back, and that's awesome. Like, I celebrate that greatly. But friend, what I want for you is to have more and more of God in your life, not just in crisis moments, but in everyday moments, because you were made to worship, and so was I. And the second thing, uh, so gather, make that a pattern, reflect on Scripture, reflect on the Psalms, uh, maybe reflect on a song that we sing. Uh, what if you were to take a moment in a week and just pull out one of the favorite worship songs you got, just print off the lyrics and just focus on that and say, God, what is it about the song that speaks to who you are and what you do? The holiness of you and the helpfulness of you and how can I just let my heart get caught up for five minutes in putting my attention and my affections on you? Maybe it's looking through the, the Psalms in the Bible. I, I'm telling you, it's one of my favorite books of the Bible. I, I know I say that about every book, but like, there really is one of my favorite books in the Bible. 
it just captivates me. The poetry just meets me and captures me. And how God can encourage you and whisper to you and change your gaze up more and more to him and off more and more of the circumstances and the scenarios that you have to navigate. When we see God more clearly, I'm telling you, it's the holiness of God that actually brings the helpfulness of God. It's when we see him more clearly, it's like we're able to see more clearly in what we need to do. I think God's just wired us that way. Why? Because you're made to worship. And when you worship him in the right way, it's just amazing how he begins to move. Thirdly, I give you this one. Uh, Take a hike. Like, literally. Literally get outside. Take a hike. We live in, I think, one of the greatest, now that we're coming into the fall, I think it's sort of fall, maybe. It felt like a little more fall today. Um, But, like, what a great place to hike and to see the beauty of God. If you haven't been to the Grand Canyon in a while, that thing's huge. I don't know if you know that. If you've never been, it's like way bigger than the picture says. You know what it reminds you of when you get there? That you're small. And God's really big. I think that's what nature does. It reminds us that there's a creator behind this. And you're not it. And hopefully that's reassuring to you. Because in likelihood, my hunch is, most of us try to be it. We try to be the captain of our souls. You can lead your life, but you're actually kind of small in the grand scheme of the universe. I hate to break that to you. You're not that big a deal. You're not all that in a bag of chips. Jesus is. And when we see him for who he really is, it has a way of bringing comfort and a sense of ease to like, oh yeah, I got all this stuff going on and I didn't create that and I guess I can't fix this. So I need you to help me navigate what this is. And Jesus go, okay, now I got you. Now you're in the right posture. See, worship me, I think Jesus would say. And everything else will just seem to fall in place. Doesn't mean everything's easy. And it doesn't mean you won't have setbacks or rejections or hardships. You will. But the beautiful thing is that you're not alone. You have help in every moment and in every scenario. Tonight, I want to close with doing communion together. And so if you're online, maybe you can uh, join in with that from home. If you're here, again, there's some tables in the back and stuff in the the balcony, so I encourage you to get that. And, And I just want to center us. I think communion, the Lord's table, is a a practice Jesus gave us that helps us understand and tangibly see the helpfulness of Jesus and the holiness of Jesus. And so as we engage in this in a moment, as we take communion, we remember that it was his life, his death, his resurrection that made a way for us to have a right relationship with God. It's through faith in Jesus and Jesus alone that says, I now have a right, uh, fixed, healthy relationship with the creator of all things, not because of my works or my efforts or what I did, but simply because of Jesus that he put on skin, came, he lived a perfect life. He died in my place, and the scriptures say that it was his, his death 
that brought forgiveness for my brokenness and my sin and my rebellion against God. And because of his resurrection, the fact that he got back up proves that he really is God and proves that his check cleared and he paid the way for you and for me. And so as we take communion, we remember in the bread, his body given as a sacrifice for you, his blood shed. And, and I just want to kind of pray into this for us tonight. As we focus on the helpfulness of Jesus and all that he did on the cross for us, for the forgiveness of our sins, he came to search for you, friend, to save you. Jesus said, I now call you friend. That's what he said to his disciples. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And his sacrifice cements his forever commitment to you. That is the helpfulness of Jesus. He's got you. But the holiness of Jesus is just as important. We needed a perfect sacrifice. Couldn't be you, couldn't be me, couldn't be the person next to you. It needed to be perfect. It needed to be God himself. God in a bod. Jesus came. The resurrection pulls our attention to the reality that Jesus is way more than just a friend. His resurrection power confirmed that he is truly God, the true judge, the rightful king of the universe. All things bow at his feet, are submitted to him. And we allow our attention to move beyond his helpfulness, which is awesome, but onto his holiness, that he is different than you, friend. He is set apart. He is bigger in his greatness. His greatness is to get the accolades and the attention that he deserves. And so in a moment, after I pray, I invite you to take communion, and we're going to close in a song and invite you to worship God for his helpfulness and for his holiness. And so Jesus, as we hold this communion, we know it's just a remembrance, an act that you gave us, a practice that you gave us to say, hey, do this in remembrance of me. And so in a moment as we take this bread, we remember that it was your body that was sacrificed for the forgiveness of our sins, your blood that was spilt, that we might be made holy and right and put in a right standing with you. That you are a God who is helpful and that's what gives us hope. You are a God who is also holy and set apart and didn't say, hey, you figure out a way to me. You actually made your way to us. And in your holiness, your helpfulness delivered something we can never get on our own. And so we worship you for both your helpfulness and your holiness. So friend, in the next 30 seconds, just invite you to take communion. Remember, you can pray and then join us in celebrating the totality of who Jesus really is as we worship him.
God, we worship you in this place tonight. I pray that you would take our gaze and that you would take it off of our idols and put it onto you. That we would become worshipers of you, your splendor, your majesty, your grace, and we'd take it to the world with everything we've got. We sing to you tonight, Jesus. We worship you in this place. Reign here. We love you. Amen. Let's go, church. Come on. Jesus is bigger than we think he is. He's great. You may be searching him out. Keep searching, friend. You may be walking with him. Then may you wonder and wander in worship. In your proximity with him, the totality of who he is. May it captivate you. May it grow and develop the intimacy between you and him. And may his church 
be filled with people who are just pointing to him with their life, with their words, their generosity. Jesus said, when the Son of Man is lifted up, he will draw all people to himself. What if the church just got better at worship? And then we get to enjoy the wonder of what God's doing in the culture around it. We will be that kind of church. I'm glad we get to do it together. Friends, thank you so much for being a part of worship experience tonight. Pray that you continue to make Sunday nights gathering with us. And so thank you to all of you who partner with us financially and giving and, and helping us be the church. And, and uh, we do that. We don't pass a plate here. So there's boxes in the back, 80% plus give online. And that's a way you can do that through the app. Uh, if you are new, uh, we're thrilled that you're here uh, in the house. In fact, I want to invite you to the 10-minute party right in the back in about 62 seconds. I'd love to meet you, kind of hear your story. We've got the best kettle corn this side of the Grand Canyon. I talked about the Grand Canyon. This side of it, the best kettle corn ever. You will, you will be blessed by having that. If you're not a guest, you don't get any. Uh, deal with it. Um, so tailgate party. We're going to have a tailgate after party coming up October 24th outside. We're going to enjoy that together, so make plans for that. We've got a women's event coming up in November. All of this stuff is in the app. You can read more about it. And we've got Trunk or Treat, kind of the uh, fall festival that we're partnering with Emmanuel and doing. So we're collecting candy through the month of October, which starts next Sunday. October is already here. So if you want to bring some candy to help with that, uh, we're going to wrap all that up with little toys. There's a couple boxes in the back. There's also sign-up sheets out there of how different ways you can help either participate in the Trunk or Treat. You can help man uh, some of the stations. We're going to have jumping castles, all that kind of stuff. Invite friends, invite family members to come with little kids. Um, like if you're 50, trick-or-treating, stop, okay? But like uh, bring kids. Uh, we'd love to have you be a part of that um, and help us partner with that. I think last year Dorothea, am I right? You guys had like over 500 or maybe 1,000 kids here last year, right? So we want to help minister to our community, and it's a way for us to let people know we're here. So uh, you can be a part of that October 30th, not the 31st, that Saturday from 10 to 1. Again, all the info is in the app, uh, and then we'll still have service on the 31st here. So friends, may you go in peace. If you're new, I'll meet you back there in 15 seconds. Have a great, great week ahead. Blessings to you online as well.